It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 962 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, June the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to uh, support all the shows in the Locked On Network that you want to support, that are covering the teams that you love, the teams that you're interested in. We've got local shows covering every team in the big four sports, as well as the major college programs. And so I highly recommend you go check them out. If you are a fan of hockey, for example, go listen to Locked On Canadians. They're very happy over there on Locked On Canadians as they have won the North Division, headed to the Final Four in the NHL playoffs. And, uh, Highly recommend it. They're they're lovely people over there on that podcast, despite covering a truly loathsome hockey team. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at just 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later on in the episode. All right, on today's show... It's just me going solo, continuing the season from hell in review, and today we're going to take a look at the rookies, Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris. I'll talk about Flynn off the top, we'll get into Harris in segment two, and then to close, we'll talk about the futures of both and where they kind of slot in on next year's version of the Toronto Raptors. Um, Before we get to that, though, there's some news that came down today that directly affects Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris. It's been reported that uh, Summer League is on, baby. August 8th through 17th, Summer League is going down in Vegas, as it usually does, and it's a huge development opportunity. The Raptors did not get to throw, and no team got to throw their rookies into Summer League action last year. We know how we've seen the effects of summer league on the Raptors before and their ability to find guys in summer league who can get training camp invites and, you know, become undrafted guys. They pick up. We've also seen, you know, Norm Powell, for example, kind of spreading his wings back in the day in summer league when he was so, so good when he had his first breakout, you know, lots of different important things happen in summer league. And it's nice that Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris, among others, are going to get a shot to apply their trade in summer league and get a little bit of extra development work with the Raptors coaches and all that good stuff. So great news on that front. And with that, let's dive into the season for Malachi Flynn. Of course, didn't really play a lot at the start of the season, was kind of uh, relegated to, you know, garbage time duty at times, and was sort of waiting around for the G League bubble to start. The G League bubble happens, he goes, he plays a few games, and then uh, all of a sudden there is need, because the Raptors are suffering horrible, horrible absences from COVID and injury, and Malachi Flynn basically gets a regular spot in the rotation for the rest of the season because of all those absences, you know, with all the time Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet missed. 
He was just the next guy up, and he performed pretty well. Look, the numbers aren't great because he was pretty rough to start out. Before he kind of found his comfort zone, before he became a guy who was you know regularly getting minutes in the rotation, he was pretty rough. He was missing his threes. He was shooting horribly. He wasn't finishing at the rim. He just really wasn't contributing all that much. He was kind of out there to throw the pass to the guy who was going to do something with the ball. And as a result, the numbers don't look all that great. He was a negative 0.2 value over replacement player, negative 2.8 offensive uh, pl- box plus minus, which is not awesome. Um, you know, he, he had a 48.4 true shooting percentage. Of course, that started out as like a 37 when he first kind of found regular rotation minutes and it slowly crept up over the course of the year. But, you know, there were some pretty wonky shooting lines in mixed mixed in with his, his sort of game log. And overall, the numbers aren't exactly... Glowing, 7.5 points, 2.5 boards, 2.9 assists, uh, just under a steal a game as well. 32% from three, not what you want to see from a guy who shot pretty well in college as a very high usage player. Hopefully we can see that pop up. It's not like the stroke looks bad or anything like that, but just 32.1% from three. And then just 37.4% from the field. You know, that's going to obviously have to improve, but I, I do think there are a lot of positive takeaways from Malachi Flynn's season as well. And I think the thing that I'm coming away thinking about most when it comes to Malachi Flynn's season is I am really just a fan of his ability to break a defense down. The way he kind of shepherds the offense along in a possession when he's sort of engaged and involved and not in the mode he was at the start of his run with the Raptors where he was just kind of deferring every single time he touched the ball. He is really quick with that first step. He can get to the basket. He can find that sort of space in the mid-range. I think he needs to work on his balance a little bit when he gets into the mid-range. He kind of has these like this weird collection of off-balance floaters and jumpers and it's kind of like the anti-Gary Trent where, you know, every shot Gary Trent takes is square, it's, you know, sturdy. He's got that strong base. And Malachi Flynn is very sort of off balance and leaning. And, you know, there's a certain amount of body control to that that's really impressive because he can make it work for him. But I would like to see him just kind of hang out with Gary Trent and learn how to take those mid-range shots from a sound base because I think that'll really help him because he can get to those spots. He can kind of slither into those spaces where, you know, the defense is kind of okay with allowing you shoot to shoot from 18 feet. If he can burn teams there, that's going to be huge for him and kind of open up all the other avenues for him to score. You know, there's this sort of comparison that gets thrown around. You know, people call him Red Van Vliet. You know, the comparison is easy to make. You know, low draft pick, maybe unheralded guy, four-year college player, a bit of an older you know point guard comes in, smaller stature, and you want to make the comparison. But really, I don't think there's that much of a comparison there to make. Flynn is a kind of player the Raptors haven't had a lot of. He does have that off-the-bounce juice. He does have the ability to blow by a guy. You know, Fred Van Vliet, for all of the great things he does is not really one for the first step. He's not really great at kind of creating space for himself. We see it when he's finishing at the rim, and he has to kind of do it through a maze of bodies. He has to leverage his his size uh, and sort of move into guys and try to move guys out of the way to finish, and that obviously affects his ability to finish around the basket. You know, he doesn't do the best job putting good English on the ball and things like that. You know, he has some amazingly beautiful finishes, but a lot of kind of ugly ones as well. Whereas Flynn can kind of just burst to the basket and then has a free kind of laneway to just lay it in. And I think that is such an important thing for the Raptors to have. We've seen in the last couple of years that their biggest sort of weakness is their half-court offense and their ability to break the opposing defense down when things are ratcheted up to very high. 
And, you know, I'm not saying Flynn's going to come out and be an amazing lead guard and ball handler or anything like that, but having that extra little punch, you know, the kind of thing that they lost when Norman Powell got traded and Gary Trent came in and doesn't have that same explosiveness, I think Flynn, because of that, kind of offers a really unique set of skills to the Raptors, and that's going to be why he's a big fixture in the rotation next season. You know, whatever happens with Kyle Lowry, I'm not sure, but I think even if Lowry's back, Flynn's going to play a lot. They're going to play three-point guards. They're going to play Flynn with one of the other guards to run bench lineups. That's going to happen a ton, and I think that explosion, that ability to break down a defense is going to be the thing that gets Malachi Flynn on the floor. And so that's my big takeaway from this year is that particular skill is super enticing to me. And then you throw in everything else. You know, he got better with the playmaking as the season went along. He found chemistry with his bigs, him and Chris Boucher in particular, him and Kem Birch as well found a pretty good connection. And that is really promising to see. Anytime you can see a point guard who very quickly kind of picks up how to find his bigs and get his bigs paid, that is a really nice thing to see. And that's something that took Fred Van Vliet a very long time to figure out, which again goes to why that comparison kind of is a little bit hollow to me. You know, Fred Van Vliet took three, four, five years to become a pick and roll passer who could find his bigs reliably. Malachi Flynn's kind of got that from day one, and that was always the the book on him. He was like a 95th percentile pick and roll player in college in his final season with San Diego State. And he came into the NBA with that sort of knowledge, that surveying of the floor, the sort of knowing of the beats of a possession and where to find guys and where they're going to be, where his passes need to be directed. That's all there from day one with him, and that's a pretty good sort of base to build from if you're Malachi Flynn and you're the Raptors development staff. And then you throw in the defense as well. Maybe, you know, even on top of the the sort of the burst he showed and his ability to break down a defense, I think the, the his own defense is pretty damn impressive. It's like right on par in terms of the most impressive things from his rookie season. He's so good at you know, kind of timing the, the passing lanes, jumping for a pass, and just like the the digging down, the sort of, I guess, the imparting of the hands of steel from Fred Van Vliet to Malachi Flynn has happened already, and he's just so damn good at timing when to dig down. I guess it's, you know, you're going to become good at that when you watch Fred Van Vliet do it all the time, um, but if that's a part of his game as well, you know, obviously he's pretty slight. He might be a guy who, you know, in future playoff series becomes a guy that opposing teams will target in terms of looking for the switch onto him because of his stature. But in terms of as a help defender and as a team defender, he is outstanding and absolutely offers enough defense from his position to stay on the floor. Um, Especially now as we're really seeing offense taking over and defense becoming less of a priority and you're seeing teams get by with one, two, even three sometimes defensive liabilities on the floor. You know, Malachi Flynn is never going to be an enormous liability because of all the stuff he does off ball and because of his timing and things like that, his ability to go for steals. Uh, and if he can kind of sturdy up a little bit and become a better point of attack defender, you know, he got hit by screens quite easily this season. I think that was his sort of biggest thing is navigating them. And again, that's a thing that playing with Fred Van Vliet is probably going to sort of help accelerate that development along as well. Um, I'm pretty excited about where Flynn can go in terms of what he is as a player, as you know, what he's going to be as far as his ceiling two, three, four, five years from now. We'll get to that in the final segment and where he fits into next season as well, we'll get to. Uh, But first, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then on the other side, we're going to dig into Jalen Harris and his rookie season, which uh, was mostly confined to the last couple weeks of the year and which was very exciting, but maybe should be taken with a bit of a grain of salt. We'll get to that in one second. But first, I want to tell you about this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. 
And look, again, there's no Raptors playing right now out in the NBA. The Raptors are done. The Raptors are hanging out. I'm going to give this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week to Fred Van Vliet, though, because Fred Van Vliet has been living his best vacation life. Last week, there was a photo that surfaced of him pulling starfish from the sea. Look, if you're talking about joy, happiness, enjoyment, hanging out after a hell season and picking up starfish out of uh, glorious tropical waters seems like the way to go. So I'm going to go Fred Van Vliet as your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week for his excellent work on vacation. And also a shout out to Katie Heindel, the Summer Vacation Watch guru for this podcast and for the entire internet. Um, so yeah, Fred Van Vliet, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Of course, Michelob Ultra just has 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment is in the end game. It is the whole game. And with Fred Van Vliet, the enjoyment is definitely being had as he plucks uh, shellfish from the sea to take cool pictures with. Although be careful of those starfish, man. They're t- t- terrifying. They got those little chompers, those little, the little beaks. They're they're, they're monstrous. They're terrifying creatures if you ever watch a nature show. Anyway, that's besides the point. Uh, huge thank you to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the podcast. And uh, congrats to Fred Van Vliet for not even playing a basketball game and being named the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Locker Room, who are the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and it's the perfect place to start or join conversations about the leagues and teams that you love. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. And this week, I'll be on on Friday with Vivek and Katie. Uh, you know, we've kind of missed the last couple of weeks just scheduling reasons and whatnot, but we'll be back on this week to give you that Locker Room action. We'll get you in there. We'll take your questions. It's always a great time. We have a fun little set of regular recurring people who are always in those rooms, and we'd love to see you there once again. Uh, go to download the free Locker Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the league group that you are interested in. So the NBA, in this case, of course, follow me at Sean Woodley, and you'll be notified when my rooms go live. Can't wait to hear you there. See you there on Friday. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Before we continue on, uh, just a heads up that while the Raptors are not in the playoffs, Locked On has a ton of podcasts covering teams that are in fact in the playoffs, and on the road to the finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, let's continue on here and dig into Jalen Harris, who, again, Played just 13 games for the Raptors this season, and I think what happened at the end of the year is just kind of sticking in people's minds and giving them optimism for what could be with Jalen Harris. Of course, again, the 13 games played, 7.4 points, 1.4 rebounds, 1.3 assists. He shot 47% from three, 50% overall, 53% on twos, and look, it's difficult. This is kind of, I think the first time in a long time Raptors fans have had to reckon and sort of try to evaluate with the back part of a lost season. This happens in baseball, my other favorite sport, all the time, where like September happens, a team's out of it, they make all these September call-ups as rosters expand, and then they're kind of throwing out whoever to close games, and they're often playing teams that are also throwing out whoever to close games, and it's kind of hard to pull any meaning from it. And believing anything in September baseball is kind of fraught with all sorts of uh, danger. I kind of think that's the case with the end of a lost basketball season as well. And we haven't experienced this because oftentimes the Raptors in the closing parts of the year are chasing 60 wins or trying for seeding or whatever it might be. 
And so they're usually trying pretty hard, and you're kind of getting a good representation of what the team is in that time. I don't know if we got a full representation of what Jalen Harris actually is in his final game stretch or final stretch of games where, you know, over the course of his final four games of the season, he had 16, 10, 17 and 31 points all on pretty efficient shooting. In particular, that Dallas game, the second to last game of the year, 12 of 21, uh, five of 12 from deep 31 points, like ridiculous stuff from Jalen Harris. And your sort of compulsion is to think, oh, this guy might just be part of the bench next year and like a a high-octane scorer coming off the bench. I think it's probably wise, and I'm sorry to be a wet blanket, I think it's probably wise to cool the expectations a little bit as to what Jalen Harris is going to be next year. Of course, the Raptors lost all of these games that Jalen Harris performed strongly in, um, and we just didn't get a ton of runway to see what he's all about this year he was hurt for a big part of the season of course he was in the g league and only played a few games there and he also suffered injury there it just was a kind of uneven season and credit to jalen harris because this happened with last year's second round pick as well dewan hernandez you know was injured throughout the season but when he did get his opportunities didn't really do much with them Jalen Harris, to his credit, after a season of kind of never getting a shot, really took advantage in the final stretch of the season and put his name into the hopper as as you kind of build next year's roster out. I mean, before the last couple weeks of the year, I would have said, hey, there's a chance Jalen Harris is just not on the team next season. Yeah, he'll go through summer league and all that, but he could be a Dewan Hernandez-like casualty where, you know, there's not a ton of investment in him. He's a 59th overall pick. There's no real sort of attachment there. And sometimes those picks just don't work out. More often than not, they just don't work out. And credit to Jalen Harris for figuring things out in the back part of the season and making his his mark when he got the shot. You know, he could have come out in that Dallas game and shot five of 21 and made everybody uh, think, hmm, maybe this guy's not so hot. But in fact, he shot 12 of 21. And those little sort of moments of opportunity seized are kind of what make or break dudes who were taken 59th overall. So huge credit to Jalen Harris for that. In terms of next season, and in terms of sort of what he does, we'll get to next season in a sec. We'll kind of talk him and Flynn kind of folded into one. But the things I like about Harris, you know, he can also create his own shot. Like, he can find space. He's really sort of uh, deceptive. He's, like, kind of quick but also slow. Is that kind of—does that make any sense? Like, he's got, like, a sort of herky-jerky way about the way he attacks— Obviously, the three-point shooting is really encouraging, and, you know, the catch-and-shoot stuff seems like it's there. The pull-up stuff, you know, that's a more difficult thing to um, sort of, you know, groom and and, and maintain as a skill, but the pull-up threes, uh, sorry, the catch-and-shoot threes seem to be there for him for sure, and that's great. I mean, you can't ask for much more of a guy who's the 59th overall pick if he can come in and score you some buckets from a few different spots. That's huge, especially considering the Raptors for the last couple seasons have been rolling out bench lineups that are basically out there to win their six-minute stretches four to two. If you can win those stretches, you know, 15 to nine or 15-11, that's pretty good. That's that's a nice thing, and it's also far more fun to watch than watching Patrick McCaw and Stanley Johnson defend really well than kick it around on the offensive end. As far as the, the things that Harris needs to work on, I mean, we haven't really seen him against real teams. I mean, down the stretch of this season, you know, the teams he was playing against, you had, um, you know, some of these teams were still trying for stuff and whatnot, but they were also just pasting the Raptors in a lot of cases. And so we didn't really see 
how he held up, you know, in like a close high high stakes game. Like, can he defend? Is this, is he someone who is going to be targeted? I would imagine that's probably going to be his big thing that he needs to work on. You know, he never really came in as a guy with a high defensive profile or anything like that, and he is a bit smaller. I know he's listed at like six foot six. There's just no goddamn way Jalen Harris is six foot six. Uh, congrats to him for uh, you know tricking Basketball Reference into thinking he's six foot six, but um, or six foot five. You know, he looks as tall as Malachi Flynn to me on the floor, but that's besides the point. Or not really, because that will kind of dictate his defensive, you know, utility and things like that, right? So that's going to be a thing to keep an eye on in Summer League. Is he able to stay in front of guys? Do they give him defensive assignments? Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, can he play make? I mean, he had four assists in three of his final four games of the season. So the little sort of signs are there. He seems to kind of understand the way possessions work. And, you know, he worked as a lead ball handler for Nevada. You know, there's like an inherent sort of like DeAndre Bembry, you know, even if their role is not going to be a lead ball handler in the NBA, those instincts are still there because that's what they did for their living in college, or I guess not for their living because they aren't getting paid because the NCAA is a scam. But, um, you know, that's what they did to have college success was run the show and know where to find guys. And, you know, were they able to leverage their own gravity into other guys getting opportunities? So I think I'm still like, it's an entirely jury still out thing with Jalen Harris. I have no idea what to expect from him going forward here, but I'm willing to look at the back part of the season, maybe realize he's not going to be a night-to-night huge bench contributor next season or anything like that, but also willing to accept that there is some very exciting stuff going on there, particularly when it comes to his ability to just get a bucket and not really have any sort of conscience while doing it. You need to have gunner spirit somewhere on your team. Like, that's what a uh, sort of underrated thing that Serge Ibaka provided to the team was, yeah, I'm just going to shoot. Uh, screw you. The ball came to me. I'm shooting. I'm not passing. You know, there is a lot of that, I think, on the Raptors in in certain ways, especially Gary Trent now being in town. But I think Jalen Harris as a sort of gunner spirit type who just doesn't care, who kind of carries himself like Jordan Clarkson almost, like that is Jalen Harris time type of thing. Um, I think there's a certainly a value to that and there's a role for that especially on a team that struggles to score and struggles to collect buckets, especially with their bench lineups in recent years. So um, that makes me pretty intrigued going forward, and I hope that he's on the team next year. Speaking of next year, we'll get to that in one second and figure out where Flynn and Harris sort of slot in, and, you know, are they going to be on the team next year? Are they trade bait? We'll get into that in a second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an athlete or someone like me who is decidedly not an athlete and you're just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's quiet as an electric toothbrush. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury that just the stresses of everyday life, whatever it might be, there's no substitution for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make it you make it feel like you're holding something from the future just go to their site and check it out and theragun apps also learn or the theragun app that is learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines that's awesome look i have a theragun i have been working out recently i've been going for bike rides and whatnot and my legs hurt a lot because i've been pushing it quite hard and guess what the theragun makes me feel so good i can come come home after like a 40k bike ride put the theragun on my legs and the next morning i'm feeling ready to go for another bike ride it's amazing and highly recommended by me theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like real madrid 
and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of customers, and of course myself as well. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com/lockedon right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com/lockedon, all one word. That is theragun.com/lockedon. Go check it out. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and of course, the UFC and MMA. Before the next game, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and be sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON to get that 50% welcome bonus. All right, let's continue on here and talk about where Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris fit in on next year's team. In terms of Flynn, I think it's pretty clear He's going to be a rotation guy. He's going to be, you know, either the backup point guard. I don't think he's going to start necessarily. I don't think if Kyle leaves, they'll go a Fred and Flynn backcourt. I think they'd probably go Fred Trent or maybe bring someone else in. I'm not sure if there's a first round pick who plays uh, at the two spot, which is a position I would like them to target. Then obviously I think they'll probably get the shot to start at two as well. Um, but you no, know, Flynn's going to be in heavy rotation. I think he is the key if Kyle is back, to limiting the minutes for Kyle, limiting his exposure, keeping him fresh for when it matters most. And same with Fred. I mean, Fred plays a ton of minutes, and it's important because he drives winning when he's on the floor. Flynn's going to have to learn how to drive, play like that, and and sort of get those bench units by without having to overexert Fred and Kyle. But I think there's certainly the possibility of that. We've talked about what the bench unit looks like next season. I think Flynn kind of pencils in very easily as the guy who kind of runs that second unit. And then instead of maybe having a point guard with him, you would have like a Flynn, Trent, OG, and or Pascal, Boucher, Birch as kind of my theoretical bench lineup. If they're going to go like a one and four setup, one starter, four bench guys, you know, I'm sure they will try to do five guy bench lineups again because that's a thing Nick Nurse likes to do. But I think Flynn kind of at the head of those lineups is going to be pretty interesting. And, you know, I think there will be times where he closes as well because his, you know, playmaking and the fact that he can break down a defense will be needed. So I think we will see them close. If Kyle's back, you know, maybe it's a Kyle, Fred, Malachi three-point guard lineup. If Kyle's not back, then Fred and Flynn and then the starters or whatever it might be, um, you know, that I think could certainly be on the table for the Raptors as they think about how to construct their rotations next season. Flynn's going to be a big part of it. He played 19.7 minutes a game this year. I would imagine he's probably going to be up around the 25 range. I think if you're looking at, you know, just, you know, Gary Trent might score like the sixth man on the team or Boucher might score like the sixth man. But I think if you're thinking about the sort of hierarchy of the team, the sixth best player, the guy that you're going to sort of count on as your sixth man to run those second lineups is going to be Malachi Flynn. And yes, that's a lot to put on him, but I think there will be enough in terms of, you know, help for him. He's not going to be playing, hopefully, unless something horribly goes wrong. He's not going to be playing with lineups where there's no offensive talent. He's not going to be playing with Stanley Johnson plus Freddie Gillespie plus, uh, you know, whoever else, like it was a pretty rough go this year for the Raptors and Malachi Flynn in those bench lineups. I don't think was done any favors by having to play with guys who just don't have any sort of offensive juice whatsoever. Same, even like when he played with Deandre Bembry, when Bembry was overextended, um, 
so yeah, I, I think Flynn's going to be a big part of it next year, and I think he did enough in the back half of the season to really kind of cement himself as a surefire rotation guy. And for Harris, I, I think it's going to be, you know, I don't put him in, I, as I kind of tear things out for next season, you have like your sort of guys, your starters, you have your sort of reserves who are locks to be on the bench, and then you have that sort of 10, 11 through 15 part of the roster I think Harris will be in that part of the roster. I don't think he's going to move into being a clear bench guy, at least started next season. Maybe over the course of the year, he wins a job. But I don't think he'll come in as, you know, the backup two guard or anything like that. I suppose it's possible if Lowry leaves and they start Trent and maybe Harris and Flynn kind of runs the backcourt of the second unit. That's, I guess, a possibility. But I think in an ideal world, Harris is like your 12th guy. And you can bring him in when you need some scoring punch. You can bring him in if you have some injury or whatever and know that he can kind of offer some offensive output for you. And that's kind of where I see him slotting in. You know, things can change, obviously, if he, you know, refines his handle and, you know, kind of comes into next season looking more more like a fully-fledged prospect, then, okay, maybe you play him a little bit more. But I think for right now, I kind of have him in that 11 to 15, kind of the 12, 13th man range. And there are worse guys to have than a dude who can get you a bucket with the ease that Jalen Harris and the confidence that Jalen Harris has. So that's pretty good. In terms of, you know, whether they'll be on the team, I think they will be, Uh, you know, having cost control guys like Flynn and Harris is going to be super important for the Raptors here as they go into a world where they're paying OG, Fred, Pascal, potentially more guys, you know, Gary Trent's going to be getting paid, Um, you know, who knows what happens with Lowry and do they go make some sort of trade and have another big contract on the books, whatever it might be, do they become a tax team again, having cheap guys like Flynn and Harris will be essential to building a roster and, you know, that's how the Raptors did it before. You have your good players, you have your shadow core, and your shadow core helps to, you know, you know, help and, and lift up the good players and, and offer that depth. And then when the time comes, maybe they can take over down the line or you trade them when you are in the moment to make a win, win now trade. I think Flynn is an interesting guy to potentially keep an eye on if there are star trade t- talks that happen this year. You know, maybe someone flames out in the playoffs here. Maybe, uh, I don't even know who it would be. I guess Dame is the main guy right now. If Beal becomes available, that be- becomes a conversation too. And I wonder if Flynn becomes sort of a piece to sweeten one of those deals. If maybe the Raptors want to hang on to an extra pick or whatever it might be, or there's a haggling over protection that they're worried about, maybe Flynn gets thrown as a, thrown in as a sweetener. But that becomes difficult because I think, as I've kind of talked about, if you are going to make a trade to upgrade the roster and sort of find that superstar, I think you're probably looking at Fred as the main guy to deal there just because, you know, OG and Pascal... The appeal of those guys is they can be paired with a ball-dominant star, and you're looking at a really damn good one, two, three, and the replacement for Fred, the contract having to go out with Fred, like it just makes more the most sense for Fred to be the guy going out, and I'm not sure you want to trade two point guards if you're making a big trade for someone else, even if you're bringing in another point guard. Having a backup is very useful. Having three point guards is very useful, and Flynn showed enough that I think you want to kind of see what he's got before kind of cutting bait on him too early. So I, I would think, I would put it like 98% Flynn's going to be on the team next season. I think Harris probably like 85%, um, you know, barring you know, any sort of craziness, you know, in the preseason where he looks rough and gets cut, whatever that might be. I think he'll be, you know, he doesn't have a contract right now, but I think he will get one from the team. I think he'll be uh, a full NBA player next year instead of a two-way guy. And I think that's kind of where I'd handicap it all. I think they'll be back. I think they're part of what's, whatever the plans are. I know the core right now is, is Fred, OG, 
and uh, Pascal and, you know, the other spots in that core are up for debate. Trent, whatever it might be. I think Flynn stands just as good a chance as anybody else on the roster right now of kind of wedging himself into being part of that, the group that is considered the core of the team. You know, is it guaranteed? By no means. He's a 29th overall pick. He's 22. Who knows how much development's left in him? He had a horrible shooting season, even in some of his better games. You know, he was doing a lot in terms of playmaking and kind of going off in the fourth quarter, which is a delight. But is he going to be a reliable shooter? Is he going to be able to hit threes off the bounce? Uh, You know, that's going to be a thing that he has to work on and a thing that's going to kind of define what his ceiling is. But like I said, if there's someone who can wedge his way into being part of the core going forward from the roster as it stands right now, Flynn is the guy for me who I think stands the best shot. So that's my look at Malachi Flynn and Jalen Harris, the two rookies from this season. It's nice to have rookies again. It's nice to have first round picks. It's going to be really exciting to do this exercise next year, hopefully, and talking about whatever rookie they bring in with their lottery pick this year. Um, But until then, I think we can kind of wrap it up for Today, I think on tomorrow's podcast, uh, we're going to dive into um, some sort of quick hitters on the rest of the guys we haven't hit on yet. You know, we'll go through Stanley Johnson. We'll go through, um, you know, all all the other dudes, uh, (laughs) Freddie Gillespie. There's a bunch of guys who we have not hit on. A million players played for the Raptors this season, but we'll close out our player reviews tomorrow. And then I think Friday, we'll kind of take a look at the coaching staff in the front office and how they perform this season before we move into Heavy draft coverage going forward in the next couple weeks. Of course, we're just two weeks away, less than two weeks now from the draft lottery, which is very, very exciting. And on draft lottery night, just so it's clear, uh, just a reminder, I've been reminding people about this for a long time, now a week or or so, but uh, draft lottery watch party going down on Zoom on the 22nd. Very, very excited to potentially have uh, all of you wonderful people in there. The way to get into it is to donate $25 or more to the Indian Residential School Survivors Fund or Islamic Relief's Palestine Emergency Fund. Send me a DM with your receipt and you will secure your spot. You'll get the password to join the room the night of. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have fun guests. We're going to play trivia. We're going to have some drinks. We're going to watch the lottery reaction and, and, and lottery results and react to it in real time. It's going to be awesome. And so I highly, highly recommend that you send me in your receipts. Again, all the details are in my pinned tweet, so please go there, and it's uh, it's very much appreciated. And with that, that's going to do it. We'll be back again on Thursday to break down the rest of the roster, and uh, until then, have a good one. We'll talk to you then with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.